What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Game On. This is your man, Coach, giving you guys the updates on what's been going on for the WNBA. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of free agency talk, and uh, the Connecticut Sun, they welcome back Jockwell Jones, Mrs. Jones, and Courtney Williams. Now, if you remember on my last episode, or like previous ones, I should say. She had a little incident down in um, Atlanta. That's where she was. However, she's back with the Connecticut Sun. So hopefully she'll be able to, you know, stay focused. And, you know, I'm wishing her the best and many blessings. Now, there is some drama in the NCAA. Gina Oriyama and Miss um, McGraw, former uh, Notre Dame coach, They've been having this drama for a long time. I know Gino has some drama with Stanford coaches back in the day. The, the rivalry between Notre Dame, UConn, Stanford, and the biggest one is Tennessee. So it's been going on for a while. And UConn is definitely the standard. That's my team. Um, you know, so, you know, what you're going to do? You know, dominance for a long time. 11 championships. I have all that information for y'all coming up soon. And what else? WNBA, huge announcement. But I'll let the uh, I'll let everybody else tell y'all about that. But anyway, um, let's get into it. Absolutely. And, and I think if you read anything that Candace Parker said, I didn't make the USA team because Gino didn't like me. I, I don't know why, but he didn't like me and I wasn't on the team. And I think that's absolutely true. I think he totally controls who makes the team and who doesn't. Uh, I think there's an incredible bias with their players. If, it, if you recruit a kid and she's ranked 35th in the country and then she signs with UConn, the next time the poll comes out, she's 18th. Um, I think all of their players are on some kind of a watch list right now. They have six players, four player of the year candidates on the, uh, you know, the player of the year watch. And then we have individual players like for each position. So six of their players are nominated, and you saw their game after they lost Cage. You have to wonder, do they really have three other Player of the Year candidates? But I think there's such a bias in the media that they just go that way. And UConn has done great things, and they've won way more than anybody else except Tennessee. And what they've done has been amazing. Uh, I think people measure their, their team by them. When we join the Big East, we're like, we want to get to where they are. Like, that's what we want to be. We're trying to emulate them. But... But I think it goes over the top with ESPN. I think they, it's, that is Connecticut's network. I mean, they, you know, their name is NBC, Connecticut is ESPN. And that is absolutely complete bias there. In the um, locker room just shortly uh, a while ago, said, um, talked about the lack of civility that now exists in your relationship with her and the relationship between the two programs. Um, I want to know if you want to sort of comment on where you see or how you view your relationship with her and how you view your rela- uh, Connecticut's relationship with Notre Dame. things 
lot of things happen that um, wouldn't happen if you didn't play that often. I think you guys alluded to what's it like being us. Nobody knows what it's like being us. Nobody knows what we go through every day, what our players go through. Every time they win an award, everybody's pissed off. And the worst part is they act pissed off because one of our guys won an award. All Connecticut all the time, all Connecticut all the time. Yeah, people are sick of it. So it's just natural. It's just natural. But we live with it every day, 365 days a year. So if you're going to come up there and try to live in that in that air, then you need to deal with it. Question down here. You know, I'm wondering if Buffett is where you're both from and that tranquility is not what's expected of people in Philadelphia. Um, Come on. Is she, is, she, is she taking a page from your playbook trying to get under your skin, do you think? Or is it like, it's just like a Philly thing? Or what do you, I mean, I don't know. Do I don't know. You'd have to ask her that. I don't know. I haven't changed in 25, 30 years. I don't think anything about me has changed. And people that know me know I haven't changed. Uh, how I run my program hasn't changed respect that we have for everybody else hasn't changed. Uh, we think we're the best basketball program in America, but we don't flaunt it. We don't go around talking about it all the time. We're not out there all the time, you know? Uh, you know? So, I haven't changed, but a funny thing happens to people once they start beating us. Everything changes. And, uh, you know, it's just, as I said, it's just the world we live in. I've learned to deal with it. I don't, you know, I don't put too much stock in what anybody says. You know, for me, I'm at an age now where if it's not happening between the lines, I really don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. I don't care what, you know, what conference you're in. I don't care what school you're at. I don't care about anything. You know, I'm at an age where, you know, I spend whatever time I need to spend worrying about those 40 minutes that we're going to be playing. The rest of the stuff, I could care less. Question down here. Caleb McBride, who's experienced both of you, at least you briefly at that camp and, and Buffett now for four years, said that in many ways you're actually the same coach, and that's why the demand for excellence, the demand for precision, is why your two teams have separated uh, themselves from the country. Do you, I mean, do you see that that is the one similarity left between you two? Um... Well, I think I said this either yesterday or the day before. Um, when when you when you when you're able to recruit really good players, which Notre Dame can and we can, and you know how to coach them, which they do and we do, um, you tend to have happen what's happening. If we were to stop getting good players, or they were to stop getting good players. Doesn't matter what kind of coaches we are, we wouldn't be here. So we have uh, the only thing similar in our backgrounds is we grew up in the same area. But there's a lot of similarity uh, in terms of how her team plays and how my team plays. I think that's very similar in what's demanded and what's expected, and you know how we share the ball, the intensity level that we play at. You know, and I think that's probably why the the games have been the way they are. You know, that, that you've got 
two really, really, really good teams. You know, forget the other stuff. The other stuff is such nonsense. You know, that's that's really that's nonsense. You know, I mean, I could sit here and list ten thousand coaches that don't interact with each other, whose rivalries are intense. You know, this is a function of women's basketball. Sometimes we act like girls, like we're supposed to go to dinner every night. You know, we're supposed to play each other, try to beat each other's brains in. You know, try to win a national championship and compete like hell, Muffet and Gino. And then we're supposed to get together afterwards and go have a bottle of wine. WNBA announcing its first ever capital raise and the largest ever for a women's sports property, Nike. Longtime strategic partner of WNBA making a, quote, significant equity investment. Investors also include Michael Dell, Condoleezza Rice, Karen Feynman, Lauren Powell Jobs, and Joe Tsai. Join us right now to discuss what this means for the future of the league is WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert. Also, WNBA legend Swim Cash, who is also an investor. Good morning to you both. Uh, congratulations, uh, Kathy. This is the first time uh, you have you have done this and taken outside money. What led to it, and what are you planning to do with it? Well, Andrew, thanks for having us on this morning. This is significant moment for the WNBA. Um, we're we're trying to fuel the next stage of growth for us. Um, having a great group of strategic investors and outside investors step up and believe in the future of the WNBA. And like Nike, like you mentioned, Michael and Susan Dell, Secretary Rice, um, some of the existing WNBA and NBA owners you see on the list, and of course, our former legend, Swin Cash. So we've all seen the reports that less than 5% of all sports media coverage and less than 1% of all sponsorship dollars go to women's sports. So access to this capital, as you know, Andrew, when you're trying to grow a business, is really going to help us move the needle. And when you think about growing the business, what does that look like? Swin, and I'm, I'm curious, when you think about the league, obviously uh, the players, the players' unions has wanted to, uh, was wanted to increase the number of teams. Uh, there's obviously the marketing uh, side of it. What are you hoping this all looks like five years from now? Um, what I'm hoping it looks like five years from now is a sustainable future. Um, I think that Kathy has an amazing vision. I think the women of the WNBA and the WNBPA um, are, you know, hand in hand, lock and step, and want to move this league forward. I hope that in five years, my niece, who is now in high school, can be dreaming and thinking about her opportunity in the WNBA. So that's why it's important for me not only to be an investor in this, but for people to see outside investors are great, and that's important, but the women who have also helped build this league, it's important for us to stand alongside uh, this next generation. Kathy, what do you plan on doing with the money? What will that money enable you to do with the NBA? And, and how do you view these outside sh uh, investors? Are they shareholders in effect? Are they giving you input on, on what you should be doing? Yeah, the outside investors are strategic, absolutely input advisors, you know, get a different look about how the landscape is changing around whether it's media, around whether it's how the corporate sponsors will come in and support uh, the women and really where we're going to use this money use of proceeds is we have uh, so much opportunity to globalize the game expansion we have opportunity to kind of blow up our digital footprint and, and 
think about what direct-to-consumer means as all sports properties are thinking about that. So it's really a lot of growth initiatives, sports betting, innovation, optical tracking. So there's a lot of things we're going to use this capital for. And really, ultimately, marketing our stars into household names, both here in the U.S. and globally, and ultimately building those rivalries, making our compelling content something to watch and, and something not to miss. Well, Kathy and Enswin, that's the, I think that's the central question, which is what is the tipping point? Obviously, oftentimes, uh, basketball or any sport, uh, men get compared to women. And the, and the question in the, in the game of, of basketball is how do you get the women's league to effectively get, I, I wouldn't even say parity, close to parity in terms of just even the, 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 the mind share of the public. What do what you think that ultimately requires and do you think it's possible? Yeah, I absolutely think it's possible. And again, we're not trying to necessarily compare ourselves to leagues that have been around 75, 100, 105 years. We just had our 25th anniversary. So what we're trying to do is grow and get an economic model. As Swin said, that is sustainable for the future and that the next 25 years of the WNBA look very different is a growth phase for us. And that's what these investors are buying into and seeing the vision for is this is a growth property. It is a real sports and entertainment property. And coming from a long career in business, when I came in, I said, we're not being treated like a real business. And that's what we're trying to affect now with this access to capital. So there you have it. Big surprise. Um, like, like they said, another 25 years would be great. And even beyond that. <clears throat> she been coach giving you guys the updates for the 50th uh, podcast episode like I said it was special so thank you guys for tuning in let me know what you guys feel you know let me know and um, thank you guys be blessed stay blessed be safe coach out also I want to say shout out to uh, H. Beckers she had a contest going on um, this week, or actually yesterday, I should say. Um, and surprise, surprise for the 50th. Like I said, it's just a lot of surprises. I was one of the candidates. So, um, you know, thank you, Miss Paige Beckers. But shout out to her, and uh, thank you so much back to me. Be blessed. Cash App. Cash App makes it easier than ever for teens to take control of their finances. To celebrate and thank you all, I'm going to be giving away $100,000. So check the caption for more details. Follow Cash App and drop your cash tag in the comments below with hashtag page it forward. And everybody try to lock it and get some money. So once again, shout out to Paige. Thank you, guys. And if I'm flip-flopping back and forth, I do apologize. But it's the 50th, so not a surprise. Uh, but anyway, be blessed. Stay blessed. Tune in next time. Coach.